What are good works? Are they simply nice things that we do for one another? Or are they grand acts of charity? Do Christians need to do good works? Or are they allowed to neglect them? In this episode of Practical Priesthood, we will explore what good works are and why they are a necessity. Welcome to our 15th episode, The Necessity of Good Works. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Practical Priesthood Podcast. You're here with Thad. And Mike. And uh, we do not have Josh this morning. Josh had to uh, work late and is not feeling well, and I'm not feeling well, and I don't know if Mike's feeling well. I'm here, all present and accounted for. <laughs> well, I think we're both physically here, but maybe mentally we need to hone in. Amen. Let's get to we're, it. We're all, we're all over the place. Yeah, th- things have been busy for the both of us, uh, both life-wise, ministry-wise, and uh, the current trend seems to be that we plan a podcast episode, and then it comes to about a day or two before, and we call each other. We're like, hey, man, have you thought much about the episode? And we're like, oh, no. we forgot to, you know, <laughs> Like, I've had this, this, this. And um, so we've, we've had to be pretty intentional about scheduling time to get together and to call one another and just add on that. We're like, no, we're for on this day at this time, we're adding in notes for the show. Yes. We're going to do some research. So here we are. Um, this episode had about three different uh, directions. It went at first, we were going in one direction, then the next direction, the next direction. Now we're finally here. Yes. So I think we started with a, we were going to talk about benevolence. It was the initial thing. And then we're like, what about good works? So here we are. Here we are. Um, but yeah, so uh, any any big updates for you? Any any life changes or? Yes, more shameless plugs. <laughs> we are now meeting at the Family Center at Calvary right yeah, here. I know that church. You do. I do. It's a great church. <laughs> so we had our first Sunday core team meeting here at 1130 a.m. And we are at 203 Mumper Lane in Dillsburg at the Family Center. So if you are looking for a great church, that meets at 9. We meet at 1130. And uh, we're super pumped. Yeah. Uh, about moving our, 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 our new meeting time and it went great. Yeah. And then we're also doing alpha, which is a time to gather together around life's most important questions and have food, watch a great video in which British accents are available, Okay, which all makes right. everything even better. Shout out to all my, uh, all my UK folks out there who might be listening. Mm. And, uh, so, um, we started that this, last night, Thursday night. So that's an eight-week course. So I welcome anybody to that as well. We're meeting at the Dillsburg Senior Center, renting that out at six o'clock on Thursdays. Nice, nice. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, plus work, plus family. Yeah. And uh, just trying to continue to walk with the Lord in all those areas. Yeah, absolutely. How yeah. about you, Thad? What's going on with you? A lot. A lot of a lot of good stuff. A lot of uh, difficult stuff. Our, our church is, you know, um, in the midst of a transition um, and more news on that will come out a little bit later, uh, as to what that looks like and what's going on. But that, that means that there's going to be transitions in, in my life and my wife's life. And, um, I, I hate to be intentionally vague, but there's still some unknown factors. So, um, lots of stuff moving though. Uh, ministry here has been, been going well. Life's been going well. Things have been, you know, of course, busy. And I've, over the last couple of weeks, I've put in probably more hours than I have in a long time. Um, but I'm good at, you know, I'm, my wife's good about saying, hey, take the day, relax, do something you enjoy doing. Um, and uh, I've got a good good group of people here at the church that are praying for me and Amen. praying for one another. And that's something I'm really excited about. Um, we started a, uh, uh, 
a, a nominate what's called a nominations committee, and I'll, you know, no need to go into all of it. But they basically help to pick the leadership of the church. They nominate people into those positions. One of the things that I'm having them do this year is I assigned them a person on the leadership team. And I said, this is the person that you need to be praying for constantly. That's cool. I need you to call them. I need you to let them know that you're praying for them. I need them to be able to call you and, and pray with you and ask you for help or whatever it is. Like, you need to be that person for them. And no one, I mean, there were, I was like, you know, I'm going to get some pushback on this. And everyone was like, this sounds great. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited to see what that's going to look like. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's, it was a good experiment. We'll see. We'll see what the fruits of that are at the end of the year. And. Um, but our leadership team's going through a lot right now and, and, uh, they need some extra prayers. So that's so cool. Hopefully, hopefully this works out well, man. Yeah, I think it will. What um, a, what a cool tandem. Oh yeah. But enough about all of that stuff. We need to talk about good works. Amen. Let's get into it. Uh, let's get into it. So, but before we do, let's pray. Yes. Gracious God, we thank you for this time that you've given us to, to come together, to pause our busy lives, to take this time to to practice this means of grace of talking about you. Yes, Lord. We thank you for uh, abiding. We thank you for pausing. We thank you for a moment to be still, to rest our bodies and to engage our minds. Lord, be with Mike and I as, as we uh, discuss good works. Be with those who hear these words. We pray for your spirit to move in them and to move into us. Uh, we pray that your truth is spoken and we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. I'm starting to tear up talking about abiding in Christ, man. Amen. Oh, well, before I start crying about abiding in Christ and being still, uh, let's talk about good works. So uh, John Wesley, the, the founder of the Methodist movement, um, who was an Anglican priest. So that's kind of where we've, we've got our connection mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. um, John Wesley was, is infamous for having um, little sayings and very long sermons. There's a mixture of the two. And um, he has something called the general rules. Um, this is something that uh, the Methodist Church, United Methodist Church, Global Methodist Church, um, the, I think the Wesleyan Church has it as well. They're, they're implemented into their, into their doctrines. Mm -hmm. These are things that we have to consider, and th these are the kind of law of the church. Um, and there's all sorts of different rewritings of this. So this is just the one that we that we have that we thought sounded pretty good. Um, and it's this. So Wesley's general rules are, do all the good that you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Yeah, that, that describes good works. Yeah. Really well. <laughs> all right, that's the end of the episode. All right, goodbye. Thanks for joining. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a it's a fascinating uh, three rule or it's not three, but the general rules uh, because it really is a good um, even if you want to say it's like a good mantra for for how you're going to live your life. You know, yes. something that you can sit down and say, all right, God, today I'm going to do all the good that I can by all the means that I, and and so on, and it helps you get into that rhythm in the in the mindset of of that. Um, and for for myself as a clergy person within the, the the Methodist denomination within you know Wesleyan theology, it's a good reminder of what the focus of Methodism is. Um, is 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 God's grace being shown through the means of grace, um, and that and that's exactly what we're preparing for here in the general rules is that is the means of grace. Yeah, and if you know about Wesley, a double dog dare you to read how he implemented this in his life. Oh, yeah. So, for example, the holy clubs, yeah. what they were doing in this, do all the good you can in all the ways you can. 
it is so convicting mm-hmm. to read the history of how these guys within the Holy Club and then even beyond were living this out. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go through that because that's not what we're, this podcast is about. But I encourage you guys, look up the Holy Clubs. Look what they were doing. Yeah, It's convicting. It I is. Mean, very convicting. When I think it shows you all the good that they did. And, and, and you know, you don't be negligent or, or I'm sorry, um, ignorant to the fact that they were still human. I mean, they still made mistakes. I mean, not all of Wesley's history is a, is a glorious one. That's right. Um, but it shows you that a majority of what they did was, was powerful stuff. And mm-hmm. it's because of things like this. Yep. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the New Testament here? Yeah, in the New Testament, we see a significant focus um, of those good works, caring for the weakest parts of our community, both within the church and also in the wider community. So we look at Paul's epistles, the Pauline epistles, as um, it, it's evident that the presumption that good works were a dimension of the Christian life. Right, and we also see that in the Gospels, too. I mean, right. we, we just talked about that before the episode started about about this Matthew text right here. Um and what Jesus is saying in the Gospels um, is the significance of, of good works. And when we read these scriptures, and we're going to go through a couple of them, my heart uh, really is to ask people to, if there's any prejudice about the concept of good works because of theological knots and stress and frustration, just listen with the main and plain of your ears to go, okay, what is it that is being said here in the naked text, yes. essentially? yes. So let's, uh, I'll, I'll read, uh, I'll take this first one and then you can take the okay. next one. So, and, and of course, these are not all the scriptures that talk about good works. We just kind of wanted to touch a few. Right, right. So Matthew chapter five, verses 13 to 15. So this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, he's sitting with the disciples. He's sitting with a crowd of disciples that have come. Well, at this point in the Matthew text, he only has the four disciples. He has uh, James and John, sons of Zebedee, and he has Simon, Peter, and Andrew, um, all four fishermen. But they're there with a big crowd that's growing. And this is what he says. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand and it gives light to all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen. I mean, right there, we're, we're, we're seeing that good works is being equated with someone's saltiness, and in the good saltiness, not yeah. in the modern sense of salty, uh, but in the good saltiness, but also in the light shining. Mm-hmm. That's, that is how we um, uh, have that zest of the salt, that thing that adds flavor to the dish is by the good works that we do. It's the bearing of the fruit of our faith. Yep. Uh, and it's evident right here. In it pushes back darkness. I mean, think of all the things that light does, pushes mm-hmm. back to darkness, provides sight and clarity, mm-hmm. on and on and on. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 through 10. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at the at harvest time if we do not give up. So then whenever we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all and especially for those of the family of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just... Look at what Paul is trying to admonish us with. So then whenever we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those of the family of faith. Dad, the infamous one, the one that gets the dun-dun-dun music. Yeah, uh, James 2, 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Surely that faith cannot save, can it? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs. What is the good of that? 
So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Wow. That's deep. It, it is. It is. Because again, just reading the main and plain of the text, the implication here, and here's a practical example of one of those good works, right? Clothing somebody and filling their belly. And he's linking it directly to the zest. I love the word you used before. Mm-hmm. The zest of your spiritual life. How much zing is there? Well, it will be known by your good works. Yeah. Well, and and I I just uh, actually preached on the Matthew text last week, and that was one of the one of the things that we talked about was that that salt, the zest there. It's actually the zest of the kingdom of heaven. It's not our zest. Yeah. It's not. It's not to make That's us right. look good. We're we're adding in bits and parts of the flavoring of the kingdom of heaven in the world that is bland and sad and tasteless. Um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I think the, the interesting thing here is when we, this is one of those texts from James that if, if, if we are someone who is very opposed to the, 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 the necessity of good works, this is the scripture that we kind of, uh, kind of makes us retract a little bit. We kind of, Oh, I don't like that. Um, I one time heard someone, we were reading through uh, one of the Gospels and uh, on, a, on a particular topic that we won't go into right now, but we read it, and the response that I got from this person was, well, I don't like that. And <laughs> I said, well, just because you like it doesn't mean it's less true. Yep. Um, yep. And, I, and I think that that can be, especially if we're someone who doesn't want to do good works or we don't like the idea of it, that can kind of be our immediate response here. And I, and I want to I caution you that if that is your response, that is not a spiritual response. That is a flesh response. Yep. That is a spirit of the flesh response, not of God. So the question that is raised in James's text that is hotly debated, mm-hmm. let's get into it. Where is this debate, Pastor Dad? Where does this come in? Well, the 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 debate comes into whether or not good works are necessary for salvation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the big. That's the that's the heavy question. Now, I think that it's a very broad question because there's a lot that is underlying within it, but I do think it's important that we talk about it a little bit. Yep. Um, but before we actually dive into that topic of the necessity of good works for salvation, um, or and, or if they are necessary or not, well, I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit, but um, we, we it's good to, uh, for us to look at the context of the early church, how, how the early church looked at good works. Um, instead of just our modern understanding, because believe it or not, I know this is hard for a lot of us to 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 fully grasp, but there's a lot of things that we believe in the modern church today that is counter to what the early church believed oh, yes. and taught. And sometimes that's good, but a lot of the times it's not. That's so right. so let's hear about it, Mike. Okay, so peanut butter and jelly go together, mm-hmm. um, or fluff. I like peanut butter and fluff. Yes, yes. Um, we ought not to talk one without the other because they are so complementary mm-hmm. that um, I'm not saying peanut butter alone is bad nor fluff, but they just just work so well together. So please forgive this horrible analogy. Do you know what's not good alone? What's that? Bread. It needs, <laughs> it needs just, to have the peanut butter or the just jelly. Just crusty, toasty bread. Yeah, not even toast, just, 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 bread, just bread. <laughs> so... Uh, the reason why I say this is because within the early church, mm-hmm. much like many of the scriptures that we started reading and then could read, they the, the the concept of faith and works or grace and works 
are often spoken together with such normality. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to present here in the early church. So we're going to look here at St. Clement of Rome. Now, Clement is a disciple of Peter, according to church history. It's around, um, we're not sure fully of of his birth, but we're looking at 102 AD. So in context- When he died or- The the span of his ministry. Okay, yeah. They think around 102 is his passing, but the span of his ministry- Probably is going to be, uh, you know, 50, 60 years. So, he, so he's a, he, what you could say is he's a second generation apostle. Second generation disciple of, of, of an apostle, yes. Yeah, yeah. And Clement, we know, ends up becoming, I believe, the Bishop of Rome. Right. Um, so around 102 AD, this, this letter could be dated or, or his ministry span is. And I give you this because of the normality, again, of works being present with a vibrant faith. So this is what Clement writes to, to the disciples in Corinth. What then shall we do, brothers? Shall we slacken from doing good works and abundant charity? May the Lord abandon charity. Abandon charity, excuse me. May the Lord never allow this to happen to us, but let us be diligent to accomplish every good work with earnestness and zeal. Mm. And so here is a second generation disciple of Peter. Where did he get this idea from? Well, we know we see this obviously within Holy Scripture, inspired scripture, but he is passing it on. He's mm-hmm. now saying, look, these good works should be done in earnestness and zeal. Why? Why does it why should it be? Go ahead. Go ahead. For the creator, the Lord of the universe himself takes joy in his works. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's such an important thing to understand is the good works that we're talking about aren't just things that you know, oh, I, I'm feeling generous today. I'm going to go out and I want to, you know, buy someone coffee. That's that's nice. That is that is a good work, but good works is something that comes out of us, whether or not we feel like doing it or not. And it's not our work that we're doing. It's God's work through us, through us, exactly. Yes. And I mean, this is where my peanut butter and jelly example falls short, and all of them do. Okay, uh-huh. but I'm just trying to speak out the concept of the complementary nature that. If the Lord is living vibrantly within us, mm-hmm. then these things ought to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so there's a Western father for you. And now we have one of the Eastern fathers, St. Basil the Great, which, by the way, wouldn't it be like if you could have the great? Mm-hmm. Uh, I still I still kind of like, well, I, I think a while ago I once said, it might have been on an earlier podcast episode. I wasn't sure if it was Basil or Basel. That's, we did have that. We did have we that. Did have it, it, and yeah. I think we settled on Basil, right? Well, you did. I did. What did you say? Basil. Yeah. Did you say Basil? No, I just said Basil. Oh, okay. (laughs) But anyways, Basil the Great. Okay, so he's around 329 to 379. So again, we're seeing the progression within church history. And in one of his uh, writings called The Long Rule, he says this, not only is such um, exertion beneficial for bringing the the body into subjection, but also for showing charity to our neighbor in order that through us, God may great uh, grant sufficiency to the weak among our brothers, according to the example given by the apostles in the Acts, when he says, I have shown you in all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and again, that you may have something to give to him that suffereth need. Thus we may be accounted worthy to hear the words, Come ye blessed of my Father, possessing you the kingdom prepared from the foundations of the world. Mm. So, uh, Basil, again, is an exhortation from one of the church fathers, one of the church leaders who's having this same concept handed down and down and down and down that um, we are displaying uh, through our good works of charity, love, mercy, physically the, um, the, the tangibleness, if you will, the hands and feet of Jesus present in our lives 
Um, and, and we ought to be doing these things because of the life of God in us. And look at, this is the one that got me. Look at what he says. Um, Thus we may be accounted worthy to hear the words, Come, you blessed of my Father, possesses you the kingdom prepared from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, Mm. and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. He's equating the words of Jesus right out the gate Mm -hmm. to um, one of the rewards, and we'll get into this later on, that we ought to be striving for. We ought to be saying, Lord, I'm, I'm doing this because I am preparing for that great day. Um, uh, at the judgment seat, essentially. So um, they don't shy from it. They don't pull any punches about it, that good works need to be present in the life of a believer. Yeah. Um, do you want to go on here then? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to skip I'm going to skip that next uh, that next quote. Um, I, I want to just summarize some of these early church fathers by saying good roots ought to produce good fruit. And, and this is the normality of their writings. This is a normality, I believe, of Scripture. Um, works that are not produced by the Spirit should be regarded with deep suspicion. So when you said before, look, if you're struggling with good works, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that the, the weight of what James says, the weight of what Jesus says, should call us to, to, to stop and reflect and become suspicious of what is going on with the root of our soul, what is going on with the root of our lives, that we're not comfortable with wanting to step out. Well, in another direction we can go with that too is, is um, wh- why the, 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 the purpose behind someone doing a good work. So, so it's not like there's the one side where it's like, you know, we don't need to worry about doing good works at all. But then there's the other side where I need to do all the good works that I possibly can so that I am satisfied, so that I am good, that I am doing these things. And in that, in that, in that latter one, um, you know, the heart of why we're doing these things is important. And if we're doing it for our own self-fulfillment, if we're doing it to boast ourselves up, um, then, then that's where we're doing good works, not in the spirit yeah. either. So there's, both, both are, are not great extremes. Yeah, the, and the warnings about the issues of motivation, Jesus is pretty stern because we see the Pharisees mm-hmm. and the Sadducees doing some things yeah. with super wrong motives, even though their actions obviously were beneficial in some regard. Yeah. You know, praying is not bad, but their motivation to be noticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like from, from even Jesus' time, up until the, probably the beginning of the Middle Ages, things were, I mean, people readily understood that we, we, do, we do good works. That's what we do. Yeah. And um, it, it goes hand in hand. So so then what happens? Yeah. So we, we see them living out this tension in a, in, a, in a healthy way. And along comes the Middle Ages. And I don't use, as a pet peeve of mine, so please forgive me, I don't use the word the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the Lord only knows our age should really be called the Dark Age, <laughs> and we don't call it that. So I'm just going to call the Middle Ages, okay? So think scholasticism. Think somewhere between the 1300s to the 1500s, 1600s. There is a bunch of confusion now about works because works had become a situation where you earned your righteousness by your works instead of working because you are righteous. Mm. And so confusion starts coming out, and and, and, and we can we – can, kind of we've talked about this in previous podcasts about some of the misuse and abuse things about um the 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 christian teaching that was spreading around we're telling people things you know that were clearly anti-scriptural and and wrong and hurting a lot of people um and to be honest that that's what i wonder today 
are people still trying to answer those questions from, say, the 13 and 1500s that the Reformation began to, I think, do a good job bringing the balance back in or bringing the right perspective in. And uh, we're going to talk about that here uh, with the Reformation, you know, between the 1500s and 1700s, where they were like, look, some of this stuff from the Middle Ages um, was confusing at best and hurtful at worst, where people were were trying to earn their righteousness through their good works and their good charity. Um, uh, And and here, here for example, uh, the Reformation comes to bring balance, and this is from the Book of Common Prayer. It's it's the 39 articles in the back. It says this. Of, Of what? Anglican Church. Okay. So this is from the the uh, BCP nineteen mm-hmm. okay, twenty nineteen twenty nineteen okay. thirty nine so articles, yeah. um, albeit that good works which are the fruits of faith, and follow after justification justification, wow, <laughs> cannot put away our sins and endure the severity of God's judgment. Yet are they pleasing and acceptable to God in Christ, and do spring out necessarily of a true and lively faith. In, it, in so much that by them a lively faith may be as evidently known as a tree discerned by the fruit. Mm. That is great balance, well said, and I think the articulation, again, of how they worded all those was super important. Mm-hmm. Um, albeit that good works, which are the fruits of faith, yep. and follow after justification, cannot put away our sins and endure the severity of God's judgment. And I think... What's happened is people in our modern context want to, ex- to have extreme on one or the other. Mm. And they want to be able to say, well, just get justified. Don't worry about works. Or they say, just get justified. And works are now put into a category of an extreme negative light. And that's for people who, quote unquote, are trying to earn their righteousness, which the 39 articles then goes on to say, yet are they pleasing and acceptable to God in Christ and do spring necessarily, hear that word, necessarily of a true and lively faith. Sounds a lot like James. In so much that by them a lively faith may be evidently known as a tree discerned by the fruit. So um, we must be careful on the one hand not to swing to the extreme where we do not hold up works in a way that is honest to scripture and church history. And on the other hand, we must guard against um, a little smidgen of something called antinomianism, which is anti-law, meaning like grace covers everything. I don't have to do anything anymore. And it regards everything under a, a, a greasy grace or a grace that's so loose that we don't need to have any obedience to the commands of God and everything becomes legalism. Yeah. And, and that's a that, that's a that, that's a good place to, I think to plug in the book uh, the, the cost of discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer it's a fantastic book that talks about exactly that that part right there guarding against antinomianism and the, the cheap grace that we that yeah, we that's tend, right. he, that's he right. loves he loves to use that term cheap grace so if you're looking for a good read it's it can be dense sometimes but but the cost of discipleship is fantastic but that, that brings us all uh, back to today the, the struggle that we're facing today is um, <clears throat> the way that, at least the way that I see it, is we have either, um, in talking about faith and justification and, and, and salvation, really the, the, the thing of salvation, right, is either we are um, saved in an instant by a prayer and we, are, we carry that salvation until we die, or uh, we are, we are and, 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 and in that, you know, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to, like, nothing changes. That, that, that's your salvation. I think that's the, I think that is a very modern um, 
understanding of what salvation is by by a large majority of people is that you can say you can say a prayer at you know whatever age and that carries you until you die um i, I mean i meet a lot of people who i i ask them I'm, I'm like oh so you know what's your what's your faith background and they say oh i was i was saved in in, in grandma's uh church back when i was 12 and i'm 60 now and um yeah i was saved I'm like, okay well what about your faith right now oh i was saved when i was 12 in grandma's church i'm like oh, okay all I'm right. hearing you. I'm hearing you. <laughs> I, I heard that part. What about what about from 12 until now, and and that's where things get fuzzy for a lot of people. And I think that's people. the mod. I think that is the, the at least in the Western Church in the American Church, that is the big problem yes. that we see. So I'm hearing you say essentially, um, on the one hand, the justification that came by faith when they were 12, great, but what is your works showing since then? Now that you're 60. What about all this fruit? Does it point to a lively faith that's still present that you had at twelve? Is that well? I, and I think part of the part of the, the the issue with all of this too is when we look at that the justification at twelve, then we come into the to the to the the discussion or the argument of you know is that justification ensured in someone who is is responding in prayer emotively based based on what everyone else is doing in the room. Or is it coming from a genuine place of the heart that is that is coming from a genuine faith? And now that's a whole other topic for a whole a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's basically what I'm talking about. Is is in the life of a believer, the 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 good works that we do are a direct reflection, a direct reflection of the faith that we have within. If you think about what the, right justification and faith, right? You think about this. Justification is that moment where the way that I like to look at it is our hearts have been hardened our whole lives. They're, they're hardened to God. And in that moment where we're justified, that hardness is broken. Now, it, there's still some muck there, right? That sin, sin is evident. But there, that hardness is gone, and our hearts have the ability to live like they're supposed to, like God created them to be, without that, that, that junk on it. It's been justified, right? But what we do outside of that the things that we do, how we act, how we how we speak, what we do for one another and for ourselves and for the community of believers and for the non-believers, all of that points back into the heart. I mean, Jesus talks about, you know, the food that we eat. He's like he does, he he talks specifically about it, how it's not about what we're consuming, it's about it's about what we're putting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so to answer the question from the beginning, um these works aren't are like knocking on enough doors or clothing the 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 naked that is not the justification that we're talking about because Christ is the one that justified by his work but if we're not following through after we've had our hearts changed from hardness stone to the to the the softness of Christ mm-hmm. um man I'm I'm hearing you say we we need to have some conversations we need to have some talks about what really happened? Mm-hmm. Um, am I still um, am I st- am I still walking with Christ? Yeah, and I think it's very possible that that there could have been at one point a genuine faith mm-hmm. that that create that 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 resulted in the justification by by God's grace alone. I absolutely believe that, but I do believe that it is possible that over time we've chosen to harden our own hearts. Mm. Um, and I, I choose that very I choose that wording very carefully. We've chosen to harden our own hearts. And I th- and I think that that's why we we see a lot of people who have been Christians for a long time, whose hearts are hard, because they chose to do it. Yeah. Not not because they lost their their salvation, um, 
they chose to harden their hearts. Yes. Um, and and I and I think that I think this is I think this is just came to my head. I think that the good works that we do through the through the spirit of God within us, right? Not by not because we're wanting to let, elevate ourselves on a higher standard or a higher pedestal, but because we are doing the good works that the spirit is leading us to do. I think that keeps our heart soft. It does because we're running the danger, the harder our heart gets to falling into unbelief. Mm-hmm. And wherever you stand on this issue of of your salvation, scripture is abundantly clear. Read Hebrews of the danger of unbelief. Mm-hmm. And so the harder that heart gets, excuse me, the harder that heart gets, the more danger we're in. Yeah. And so some of the struggle that I want to bring out in the podcast today then is what is the effect of good works on our life? And you started talking about um, it, it, it allows, I believe, as a means of grace for the softness of grace to continue to work on our hearts for a number of reasons, which we can get into at some point. But I also want to bring up something in 1 Corinthians 3. Okay. And I want to talk about um, if grace is not earning our salvation – which it's not, I mean, excuse me, if if works are not earning our salvation, which they're not, Mm -hmm. um, what effect will those works have on the believer's life? Mm -hmm. Paul talks about something that I think should bring a healthy fear of the Lord into our lives, that whether you are in a a more traditional uh, Roman Catholic or Catholic background or or a Protestant background, I think 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 10 through 15, I'm going to read it, should cause us to, to, to ponder and reflect and allow for a holy fear of the Lord. And uh, I'm going to read this and then just share a little bit of um, where we can start to put works and what effect they have in our life in the category of rewards and suffering loss. So this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And that fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Hey, listen, Paul is making clear that the foundation is Jesus Christ. That's it. That's where our justification comes from. And that's what we're laying in our lives to be saved. Yet the works that occur afterwards, Paul is letting us know that whatever those works of mercy, works of charity, works of love are, that some of them could be good. And he talks about either gold, silver, precious stones. But look at what he's talking about with wood, hay, and straw. All of them are going to meet this fire. Mm. And I believe that this fire, um, he quotes the word for the day will disclose it. The majority of people who have any Hebrew background are going to talk about the day of the Lord or mm-hmm. the day of judgment, the day in general in which um, God's on his throne yeah. and he's reviewing the lives and the nations, etc. And so when my works come before him, 
um, what are they going to be revealed when the fire touches them? And some of them are going to get burned up. And you talked about motivations before. Mm -hmm. Even if people are doing works, but they did them for these motivations that are full of pride or full of carnality and flesh, fire is going to just... Well, and, and that's that's an important thing is is when we are when we are participating in good works, there's going to be a battle. There's an internal and an even spiritual battle between the spirit of the flesh and the spirit of God. Um, the spirit of flesh wants us to to do good works so that we are um, viewed in a better light by other people. Um, th- this is something that I mean we see it all the time on the internet where people go out and they'll give some you know for the big one the common one is. Um, you see a video of someone going out and handing money to a homeless person. Well, they're standing there talking to them. They say, you know, here's a hundred bucks. And then they hug and they're like, oh, thank you so much. As their friend is standing behind them with a camera. And then they post it online and all the comments are like, wow, you're such an amazing person. Right. Right? <laughs> all the good works, that, all of the good works that we're doing, um, some of them are supposed to be seen in front of people. I mean, we, we do acts of service all the time for people, but a majority of the good works that we do are intended to be hidden away. Yes. They're things that we do for people without the seeking of glory. So, for example, if you are wanting to help someone who's in financial need and you write them a check and you walk to their door and you hand it to them and say, I'm giving this to you because I love you, and I, you know, that's that's great. But but in that moment, you have to consider, am I doing this so that they owe me a favor later on? Right, or right. because they want, you know, I want them to look at me in a different light? Or would it be better for you to to take to take that money and, and maybe do a cashier's check? Um, or, or something. I don't know. I don't, I'm actually saying that and I have no idea. Do cashier's checks have names on them? Can you Usually do, no. Can you do an anonymous cashier's check? It's been a long time. I have no man. idea. I have never, ever had a cashier's check ever, ever. Um, but anyways, yeah. the, 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 point of what, the point of what I'm saying is we have to, we have to look at the good works that we're, that we're doing or wanting to do and evaluate the heart of why we're doing them. And it's important because you have that, that I, I call it spiritual warfare between the spirit of the flesh and the spirit of, of God. Um, but, one of the things that that Richard Foster says in his book, Celebration of Discipline, um, he's talking about service. I think that's the chapter that this comes from. Uh, let me just double check here. Uh, yeah, service. And he says that uh, nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service, and nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. Yeah. And and, and that is that is a crucial thing there because the more that we use the softened heart that God has given us, the more that our faith uh, produces good works, that's the important thing here. The more that our faith produces the good works, the more it becomes a natural thing that we do. It becomes easier and easier to do good works without this desire to elevate ourselves in any sort of status. Yes. Um, but it's important to consider whether or not they should be done publicly or in hidden. Yeah, because hiding. the grace of God allows us to make those judgments now we're using scripture we're mm-hmm. allowing friendships to deal with you know even some of the things that we're blind spotting on and if not friends the holy fear of the lord in this text is that god knows mm-hmm. and his fire is going to reveal one we want to exhort you to good works mm-hmm. and to do them for the right motivations mm-hmm. Listen, some of us are going to receive a reward and other of us are going to suffer loss. Yeah. And Paul is making clear here uh, though himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So that foundation is going to provide the salvation. Jesus is a strong foundation, but I don't want my works to get burned up. And then um, I'm going to suffer loss. Now, theologians have wrestled with what does it look like for the Christian to receive reward? Because in our hyper uh, our, our hyper context that we're in, we always tell people, um, 
well, just get saved, just get saved, just get saved. Mm -hmm. And we want people to get saved. We want them to experience the life-changing power of the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. But the Lord, if you look within the many of the parables, he's talking about those getting rewards. When he says to the the parable of the talents, Mm -hmm. you get to be steward over 10 cities and on and on. He talks about some of these things. And again, we don't fully know what all those rewards are. I want them. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they fully are. And I'm also in a holy fear. I don't want to suffer loss. So friend, let this text reread it multiple times that we should be motivated to work for the Lord mm-hmm. uh, as a lively faith ought to. But know that if if not, um, one will suffer loss. And if we do for the wrong motivations, we'll suffer loss. And um, l- let it grow a fear of the Lord in our hearts. Yeah, and we and we want to make sure too that that when we're approaching the moment where we're about to participate in a good work, what, no matter what it is, even if it's like you want to make a meal for your neighbor who you know just suffered the loss of a loved one, right? Before you even step out to do something, pause for a moment and say, Lord, why am I doing this? What is my intent here? What is my motivation? What would you have me do? How should I handle this? Uh, and, and, and I mean, acting, acting, you know, without doing that's fine because mo- I'm sure that a lot of people are having good intentions, but we want to be careful in that. So then that way, when, the, when those good works are viewed and tested, they they stand the test of fire. And I and I let me let, Josh, that that is an amazing entry into what we're talking about the negative side of legalism, yeah. because what we've seen is the extreme of the misuse and abuse. So within the church, they'll say, "Well, don't worry then about giving your neighbor that meal because you're doing it out of legalism. Mm. You're trying to earn your your salvation." And no, stop. And I, I think that I think that example is not as frequent. I feel like a lot of the people that I've talked to that that throw up the word legalism a lot don't take every little like good work and say don't do that because you don't want to be you, you you don't need to do that. I feel like it it it's it's much. I don't know. I feel like it's deeper than that. You know what I mean? I've the context that I've heard is people talking about religious service in general, religious works in general, things like prayer, things like evangelism, okay. yeah. things like even even acts of mercy or charity, where they're like, Oh, you're being legalistic. You're gotcha. being legalistic. And if we're being honest about that term legalism, it's it's obeying a certain set of laws mm-hmm. or requirements um, to get something. And I think what we're trying to say is that's something salvation has already been given and let's go forth in good works with the light of uh, proper and healthy judgment Mm. to make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. But let's not not do good works um, because we're afraid of throwing the baby out with the Mm -hmm. bathwater. Let's just be honest about it. Let's look at the tool for what it is and know that the Lord has rewards that he'll give um, in, in the future. And we should be motivated in a healthy sense for that. And at the same time, I think the discussion that's come up within our, especially evangelical communities is that good works has become like a dirty word yeah. that we associate now with a legalism. That's like, Oh, well, you know, we don't have to do that because we're saved or we're, we have grace. No, we ought to be doing that because we're saved and we and it's and precisely because we're we're saved and have faith that we should be doing yeah, good works. And all the while, our whole lives, we'll have to have the light of the Holy Spirit to judge our motivation, mm-hmm. the accountability of our brothers and sisters when we get off track to help us. But let's keep moving forward. Well, I, one of the things that I think of is is like, especially in the, the holiness movement. Um, 
is I think a lot of discussion of, of, of good works and legalism came up through that. Um, I, I heard a, a, someone, I forget who is, who is telling me this, but they had talked about how, um, oh, I, I remember who it is now, but I'm obviously not going to say who it is. Uh, they had a pastor one time who uh, had asked uh, in the, or had said in the church um, during a sermon that if you drink alcohol, you're a hypocrite and you are going to go to hell. Yeah. And this person was like, uh, that I don't, I don't agree with that. And that, that's one of those, what's one of those scenarios where, where living out our holiness through good, the, in this case, it'd be the good works of abstaining from, from, uh, 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 you know, substance abuse, if you want to put it that way, I mean, that could be considered a good work. Um, but abstaining from something that you know is harmful for yourself. I think that's important. Um, but just taint- taking that and painting it with everyone that if, unless all of you are doing this, you are, are now bad. That's legalism. That is what legalism is. But when, uh, when you have someone over for dinner, right. And you know that they've struggled with alcohol, um, you don't offer them a glass of wine with your, with your meal, right. That's not legalism that in, in my opinion, that's a good work. That's love. That's love. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's grace and mercy and love. Um, and so, uh, it, that, that could be like, even going down this rabbit hole a little bit more, if you know you're having um, a, a bunch of friends over, a bunch of people over, and you know that that you know so and so is gonna you know bring alcohol, whatever they they like to have a, a glass of wine with their dinner, whatever, right? But you know that someone else is coming is a is a recovering addict, recovering alcoholic. It there's nothing wrong with going to that to the to the first person saying, hey, I know you want to bring you know wine, and I'm totally fine with it. That's fine. But you know we've got someone coming that's that's overcoming some addiction issues, and it, and I think it would be best if we don't if we don't bring that in. Yeah. At that moment, the person who wants to have the wine has to choose either an act of service, which is to not bring that, or they have to choose their own desires first. And in that, not only are they putting themselves above someone else, which we're told the least will be the greatest, right? That we're supposed to lower ourselves in status and right. in, in what we want, but it's also it could be misconstrued as legalism and saying, well, you know, avoid doing that because, you know, what does it matter? Yes. Um, but we're getting on a really... No, I think this is the, the this is the heart of where we yeah. see these things flush out in a congregation. We see it flush out. And so we want to encourage you. It, it's not as though um, they, 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 they don't have to be separate. Mm-hmm. They, they can spring from a root and fruit issues that, that we want to encourage... Those of you who are listening, be zealous for good works. Allow them to come from the fruit of your gospel faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then allow for the uh, the real life situations like we're talking about here to be guided by Scripture, be guided by love, be guided by other brothers and sisters. And let's get in the game. Let's yeah. get in the game and do all the good we can in all the ways we can going back to our Wesley so that we can let our light shine and yeah. we can see a world like the book of Acts turned upside down mm-hmm. by the power of Jesus. And, and the, the way that, that Richard Foster ends that chapter that I mentioned earlier, I, I, I absolutely uh, love this. This is what he says. The risen Christ beckons us to the ministry of the towel. Such a ministry flowing out of the inner recesses of the heart is life and joy and peace. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you would like to begin by experimenting with a prayer that several of us use. Begin the day by praying, Lord Jesus as it would please you bring me someone today whom i can serve we should be we should be begging the lord to give us opportunities to do good works to to not only display our faith but to continue to show the world the light of christ and to show them and to feed them the salt that which comes from heaven that's right I, I, we should beg for it every single day 
So I say, since we're practical priesthood, mm-hmm. how do we practically do this? I think Wesley right here mm-hmm. gets super practical in his message, working out your own salvation. Um, yeah. hit, hit us, Dad. Yeah. What's so, some? So just a reminder for everyone: this, we're, we're in 18th century, you know, English writing. So forgive me for for this. It's lengthy, so we'll try to we'll try to, to hash it out a little bit. So Wesley says in this sermon. What are the steps which the scripture directs us to take in the working out of our own salvation? I'm going to pause there. So we have to remember that our salvation is something that we live out. Mm-hmm. It's not a one and done thing. We don't, we, we shouldn't be uh, taking a moment where we, we consider ourselves saved and then we're like, all right, I'm just going to sit on my hands until I'm dead. Yes. We, we live out our salvation. So that's what Wesley's talking about. Let me here. Ju- my pastor said it this way one time, my pastor friend, work out what God's worked in. Mm. Perfect. I love it. I love it. So uh, back to this. Uh, Wesley continues, The prophet Isaiah gives us a general answer, touching the first steps which we are to take. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. If ever you desire that God should work in you, that faith whereof cometh both present and eternal salvation, by the grace already given, fly from all sin as from the face of a serpent. Right? So repent. Carefully avoid every evil work and word. Yea, abstain from all appearance of evil, and learn to do well. Be zealous of good works, of works of piety, as well as works of mercy, family prayer, and crying to God in secret. Fast in secret, and in your Father which seeth in secret, he will reward you openly. Search the scriptures, hear them in public, read them in private, and meditate therein. At every opportunity be a partaker of the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of him, and he will meet you at his own table." Let your conversation be with your children, be with the children of God, and see that it be in grace seasoned with salt. As ye have time, do good unto all men, to their souls and to their bodies. And herein be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It then only remains that ye deny yourselves and take up your cross daily. Deny yourselves every pleasure which does not prepare you for taking pleasure in God, and willingly embrace every means of drawing near to God, though it be a cross, though it be grievous to flesh and blood. Thus, when you have redemption in the blood of Christ, you will go on to perfection, till walking in the light as he is in the light, you are enabled to testify that he is faithful and just, not only to forgive your sin, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Man, oh, woo! Yeah. That is good preaching. Sorry that, to shout in your ear, but I was about is, to get an amen rolling. And, uh, and You can see my, when I'm reading this, Mike and I are sitting here like getting more tense, like like good tense, like, yes, this is so good. And it's <laughs> it's true, though. Like, And this is this is a very brief description of some good works that we do. But, I mean, think about it. A good work is is not only just serving the people around you; it's serving your family. Come on! It's it's reading scripture. It's partaking in communion. It's joining the body of believers in worship. Those are good works that we must be doing. Yeah. So that's as practical as we get. Look up Wesley sermons; they're all online. Working <laughs> out your own salvation. That is a great message, um, and read it. That's practical priesthood tip right there. Just go get Wesley. Yeah. There you go. But I, I think it's I think it's. Uh, there's a lot of good resources out there that if you are looking uh, for for a place to start that can give you some good basics. I would of course I would suggest the the um the book that I mentioned before that I'm reading Richard Foster's um, Celebration of Discipline um but if you're hearing all of this and and you're you're maybe we've gone in circles cuz you know we're, we're this is what we do sometimes let, let let's just summarize very briefly this. 
Good works are not going to save you. They do not save you. They're not your salvation. We're not saying that at all. What we are saying, though, is that if you have a true, genuine faith in Jesus Christ, you will produce good fruits. Yeah, and yeah. those good fruits are produced by good works. Yeah. You, it will be evident in what you do. It is a good litmus test. Um, th- that needs to be understood. Um, that's about all that I have. There's a lot more that I can say. I have a deep heart in this. Um, I, I was sharing with Mike, and, and then I'll, I'll stop talking because, you know, I'll, I'll just keep going. I was in a class in seminary um, where, you know, I, I, I was I was raised being taught and hearing from other people that that all I had to do was say a prayer when I was like 10 years old and I'm good to go. Like, that's it. Um, I don't have to do anything else. I was told <laughs> I have to repent and I have to say this prayer and I'm, and I'm good. And I, I, I heard that. And for the longest time, I was like, yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. And when I when I got into seminary, I was in a. Um, I was in a, uh, a Romans class, I think an inductive Bible study class of Romans, and I was with a, a, a great professor, Joe Donjel. And I remember sitting there and we're reading through Romans and all, I mean, all I could find in Romans, everything that I kept seeing in, in Romans and in Paul's writings was, was that our, our faith combined with good works. It was a faith that was lived out in our lives by how we act with one another, by how we live, by how we treat one another, by what we do for one another. And I finally, one day, I was sitting there, I was feeling torn in class, like the whole class, I'm sitting there just like, I, something just doesn't seem right here. And after class, I went up to, to, to Dr. Donjel, and I thought for sure I was going to be called a heretic for this. I thought for sure. I was like, I'm going to get kicked out of seminary. They're going to say, get out of here, you heathen. And I went to Dr. Donjel, and I said, I'm, I'm struggling. And I explained all this to him, and he was like, you're right. He's like, everything that Paul talks about when it comes to salvation is a faith that is lived out in our good works. It's a living out our faith, not just something we hold on to. Our faith isn't just something that, one of the things, let me pause there. One of the things that we have been teaching in the church, especially in the 20th century, is that our faith is personal, mm. that our faith is mm. individual. Wow. Yeah. Scripture, ahead, Pastor. scripture has never, ever told us that our faith is to be purely individual. Yeah. Um, all, of, all of the faith of Israel in the Old Testament is all communal faith. Everything they do is together as the body of believers. And that's what we carry out into the New Testament. But today we have this understanding that our faith is individual. I don't want to bother people with this because it's my personal faith. It's my personal opinion. It's my personal this. Folks, this is a communal thing that we do. This is together. We join in communion with God with not just ourselves. When when we die and we are in the presence of God, you are not worshiping him alone. You are not doing this by your own personal faith. It is together with the body of believers. And I think we need to just think through that, to consider that in, in, in all that we're doing is living out our faith more and more and more and showing people what God has done for us. Um, I, I feel like I'm going in circles in this, but I, I it's just where my heart's at with it is I, my fear, and maybe I'm going off topic here. My fear is that we have churches filled with people who think that they are saved and they're not. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's the thing that keeps me up at night because we've taught people that you just mutter these things and you're good. Yeah. And that's not that's not good. You and I sitting here as, as clergy need to fix that. Uh, it's not this not to say this legalism where you have to do this and this and this in order to be saved. But to encourage people to look at 
what their faith actually is. Yes. Is it existing or is it something you're living in the past? If, if the faith that you have is dependent on that one moment that you had five years ago, 10 years ago, last week, 30, whatever, and it's not being lived out now, you have to ask yourself, is it an actual genuine faith? Is it a true faith that has saved me? Or is it just something that makes me feel good? Yeah. Is it something that I, that I refer to when I you know, want to continue living in the flesh and I can say, yeah, but I'm going to be saved? I mean, Paul talks about that when he says, should we continue sinning so that grace abounds? Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's my that's my fear in all of this, and I think that's why this episode means so much to me is um, because we're we're teetering on good works, but also salvation here is is that's my my fear is we just have so many people in the church who are who are actually lost, um, they're sleeping, and we need to wake them up. Amen, amen. Well, let's pray. Yeah. Let's pray, and I'll. I'll uh, why don't you hit it? Yeah. <clears throat> Lord, thank you um, for your Spirit. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I, uh, Lord, like blind Bartimaeus, Lord, we come to you and we ask you. We want our sight. We ask for our churches. We ask for those um, in the ministries represented. Everyone listening, our family, our friends, that we know, God, um, they are asleep or we're deeply uh, questioning because their their life does not match their confession. Mm-hmm. God, we pray for mercy. We pray that you would have mercy on us, Son of David. You would have mercy on them. You give us our sight that we could see Jesus. And from seeing him and believing in him, we'd begin to bear fruit for him. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit in our churches and in the congregations and ministries represented here today, your glorious presence and spirit, that we would know him the one true God and the Christ whom you've sent. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.